Welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast, where we take your questions from Sunday's teachings in order to form a dialogue about the scriptures and what God is teaching each and every one of us. Welcome back to the Beyond the Sermon podcast. Today's episode, we are looking in at questions from our passage this morning in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 26. And today is September, Sunday, September 12th. And so we, uh, as we looked into the, the passage here this morning, one of the things that we saw, our main teaching truth from this morning, is, is that if the resurrection has really changed us, if the resurrection has changed our lives, then then we should not stop talking about it, right? We, we can't keep quiet about the thing that actually that actually has changed us. And, and we saw we saw in the passage this morning that Jesus gives the disciples some instructions that they are to the they're to go back to Jerusalem. It's the after the ascension, they're to go back to Jerusalem. There, there's they're to wait for for the for the Holy Spirit to indwell himself in them. And when he does, he will give them he will give them power to bear witness uh, to the resurrection in its first starting in Jerusalem, then to Judea, then Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And, and that's what we see the disciples do this morning. Well, that's what we saw them uh, this morning. That's what we saw them do in the passage. They go back. They're, they're praying together with one accord. Uh, they're, they're sorting out what's been going on. And, and they're simply just waiting. They're waiting for the Spirit uh, to move. And, and next week in Acts chapter 2, we're going to pick up and we're going to see that story. Uh, but let's jump into some some questions from this morning from the from the text. One of the first questions that comes in is is that about power? We we talked about this in in, in verse eight, chapter one, verse eight. Uh, and Jesus says, "When when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be filled with power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth." Uh, he is the one who is moving what is immovable. Uh, first, that started with our hard hearts, right? As we are in the, the depth of our rebellion and our sin against God, we we don't want anything to do with God. We want nothing to do with him. And, and so the Holy Spirit, one of his roles, one of his jobs is is to be crying out. It's it's the Greek word parakletos. We saw it in John chapter 14. We looked at it last week. And it, he's literally crying out as a defense attorney. He's, he's our advocate is another English word to help us understand that. He's our advocate. It's crying Crying out the truth of who Jesus is and our need, our sin, our brokenness. And as he's crying out to us, he's chipping away at the hardness of our hearts. He's moving the immovable so that we will then respond in belief and repentance to the truth of the gospel, that the resurrection can change our lives. This Greek word dynamis is actually used 119 times in the New Testament. And of those 119 times, 92 times, it's used to translate or it's translated into the English word power. Uh, the other times that it's translated, it, it's translated as mighty or as a miracle or as strength or as ability. But but the larger context here is that this word dynamis, it, it's translated or what it means is that it, it, it's this it's this this strength this great and mighty strength this power or this ability that is beyond us right it, it, it is a great ability it is a supernatural power and, and so so really as as Luke is using it here in the book of Acts again to describe the Holy Spirit as Jesus is speaking that that the spirit will fill us with power because the spirit is filled 
with power. The Spirit himself is powerful. As, as part of the Godhead, uh, the Trinity, the, the Spirit is, is filled with power. And, and, and so, uh, so the Spirit is first filled with the power to, to again, chip away at our, our hard hearts. He's, he's filled with the power to, to call us back to our first love, to illuminate the truth of the gospel, to illuminate the truth of our, of our need and the brokenness of our position in sin and rebellion, and, and the glorious grace of Jesus, that we don't have to stay there, that there's new life in Jesus. Uh, but again, the, the Spirit is, is filled with the power then to work through us to declare that truth. And that's exactly what we see here in Luke or in Acts through Luke in chapter one, verse eight, as Jesus says. Um, but again, as we, as we, as we look to the early church, one of the roles of the spirit is also, he's going to fill, he's going to fill those with power, with strength to endure, right? So as this Greek word dynamis is translated, it also, it also means bodily strength or, um, or supernatural power, right? The, the supernatural power to endure suffering, the supernatural power to pursue uh, God faithfully in the midst of hardship. And we're going to see that time and time again in the book of Acts. But even as we read the letters, the letters of Paul, the letters of John, the, the letters of Peter in the New Testament, uh, Revelation in John. John spurs the, the churches on in Revelation to pursue Jesus uh, faithfully. And what we understand is we understand, look at the, look at the scriptures. It is that indwelling of the Spirit. Paul says we are no longer, uh, we, we're, we're more than conquerors, right? We're, we're no longer uh, bound by the chains uh, of, of, of sin, that we are, we're held in slavery to sin. We're enslaved by the power of sin. We're under the dominion of sin. We are no longer under that. Instead, we are full heirs. We are children of God, as John tells us in, in his letters. And, and so, so because of that, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Paul tells us in, in Romans chapter 8 that the Holy Spirit, he helps us to overcome, right? And, and in Romans chapter 12, we see that the Spirit fills us with power. He gives us gifts uh, to serve in the church, to serve the body, to build the body up. Uh, so there's this there's this bodily strength uh, that also comes, an ability that, that comes from this Greek word dynamis. Uh, specifically in the passage we looked at this morning, again, it's translated as power because it is this idea to move the immovable. But we're going to see along the way throughout the book of Acts. I mean, when 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 Peter and and Paul uh, when they're when they're being when they're really being oppressed, or when they're being persecuted for their faith, uh, when Paul is locked up, when he's when he's imprisoned, when he's beaten, it is the Spirit that, that sustains him. We also see this in the in the in the ministry of Jesus in Luke chapter four. Uh, we see the temptation narrative where Jesus is. Uh, well, well, he we see he's been baptized. He was just baptized, and in the power of the Spirit, it says that Jesus was led into the wilderness, and and he sustained in the wilderness through prayer and communion with the Father. And how does that happen? Well, it happens through the Spirit. Uh, we we you know we understand that as we pray to God, as we pray to our Father in heaven, it's it is we also we hear from Him through the Spirit, the Spirit who wrote the words uh, of the Scriptures, right? Inspired the Scriptures. Uh, through human authors. We, we even heard that in Peter's confession here this morning in, in chapter one of Acts as he opens up to, to really try to understand what's, what's uh, understand Judas and all that's been going on. Uh, he looks to the scriptures and he says that the spirit spoke through David. The Holy Spirit spoke through David long ago. So the spirit has the power uh, to, to, uh, to, be, to be the author of 
of the scriptures. And so the Spirit is, is, is in his role in the Godhead, he's connecting us to the Father. And, and, and he has the, the authority to, 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 to inspire the scriptures. And so the Spirit himself is, is filled with power in the triune nature. And so Jesus, again, back to Luke chapter 4, Jesus is in the wilderness. He's being sustained by the Spirit. He's connected to the Father through the Spirit. Um, and and he's, he's filled with the Spirit. He's led by the Spirit. Jesus models for us, teaches us here uh, that we are to lean in and we are to be dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit um, because we're not enough and, and we're, not, we're not complete enough in and of ourselves. And again, as we saw last week, the good news is that, that we don't have a secondary Holy Spirit. We don't have a, a B-team Holy Spirit. We, we are filled with the very same Holy Spirit that Jesus was filled with. Now, that does not mean that we're Jesus or we're called to be Jesus or we have the same uh, mission as Jesus. He had, he had a mission of salvation, right? We, we don't save anyone. Uh, our mission is to declare, as we saw this morning, to declare the power of the resurrection through Jesus, right? That Jesus defeated the grave and in that we can have new life and abundant life. And, and so we're to, we're to declare to, to declare that power, resurrection power, uh, because we've experienced it, because changed people uh, talk about what what has changed them. Uh, but but again, back to, I mean, as we look at the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, Jesus depends upon it. Uh, we are to model our lives after Jesus' uh, life. And so we are to depend upon the Spirit. So not only does the Spirit give us the power, uh, he chips away at our hard hearts uh, to move the immovable so that we can we can repent and believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives. The Spirit fills us with courage, fills us with strength to then pursue Jesus uh, faithfully day in and day out, to put on the character and priorities of Jesus more and more, to resist sin, to flee sin. Uh, the Spirit fills us, gives us the, the giftings and, and, and the strength and the courage to then serve in the church, Romans chapter 12. And, and again, and the Spirit also will, will give us the strength to endure faithfully in the midst of hardship. So, so the Greek word dynamis is really, it's a big word and it's an important word. And so in this, in the passage, it really is understood that it moves the immovable. It's the power to move the immovable. And all of that is, is centered in the spirit. It's the role of the Holy Spirit to do that in us and through us. And yet, as we look at the larger scope of the scriptures, uh, the 119 times um, that the word dynamis is used, it also implies bodily strength or the ability to endure. And all of that, again, is rooted in in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that helps us to endure, helps us to press on, helps us to remain faithful uh, in our belief in Jesus, and helps us to hold fast to the truth of who Jesus is. So uh, yeah, the word dynamis, it's a really, it's a big word. It's an important word. Well, the second question here is culturally or religiously, um, did men and women pray together uh, before this one accord moment? Uh, again, the one accord moment comes here, chapter 1, verse 14, and it says this, All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with uh, the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. This is an interesting question. I, I think on, the honest answer here is um, we're not sure. Uh, most commentators don't make much of of Luke's inclusion of women in this note and and what that means. But we do know that in, in formal religious circles in in Jewish religious circles in the first century, there would have been clearly defined roles for men and women, and and some of those where men and women were together, and a lot of those where men and women weren't together. 
famously, if you go to Jerusalem today at the at the Western Wall, men pray in one place, women pray in another. Now, what we're not sure of is is what this looked like in informal settings. This would have probably been more of a what Luke is describing here is more of an informal setting. Again, they are they're in an upper room. They're not in a synagogue. They're not in a formal setting together. So, so we're not sure if they're. If, if this is a statement on some new cultural practices that, that, that are coming out because of the resurrection, uh, I don't think Luke really spends a lot of time there. I think what he's really emphasizing here is the idea of being together of one accord. And, and really that, that, that idea of being together as one accord means that they were, uh, they were in unison. They were in agreement. They were con- continually united. Uh, and what's, what's unique about the group that's meeting here in verse 14 is that they were all eyewitnesses to the resurrection. Uh, both uh, the 11 disciples, remember Judas is no longer with them. So the 11 disciples, the 11 apostles really. Um, and then, and then there, we've got, we've got the, the women that were also disciples. They were following Jesus and Mary, the mother of Jesus and, and his brothers who are now, they're eyewitnesses to the resurrection. As we know, James, uh, he, he came to believe in Jesus's divinity and messianic nature, his, his, that he was the Messiah after the resurrection. And so, so we know that they're together. We know that they're praying. Uh, they are, they are united in mission. They're united in their purpose. They are, they are together uh, in this one accord moment. And and they're they're praying because Jesus has given the apostles instruction uh, to go back to Jerusalem to wait for the Holy Spirit. So they're, I think they're praying in anticipation, and they are praying in in anticipation that is unified for something bigger than they could ever expect or imagine. Remember, they wanted to see. Uh, Jesus uh, begin his earthly kingdom at this point, and yet he says, "I've got something bigger for you." Uh, so again, so culturally, religiously, uh, we're not sure if this was a comment or uh, something that was was new. Um, we know we know in formal religious practices that there would be um, considerable separation between men and women, especially in Jewish circles. Uh, but again, what what's going on here is that they are all eyewitnesses to the resurrection. And in fact, if we read the gospel account of the resurrection, the women uh, are are eyewitnesses first of the resurrection, and then they come back uh, to the men. Which which, by the way, one of the the refutations of the resurrection is that it's just a fictional story that these male disciples, the the apostles, that they that they wrote uh, to make themselves look better. Uh, because, you know, Jesus was now, he was crucified by the Romans. He's dead and they they had a lot of stock in this Jesus fellow. And so uh, they're going to write this story to make themselves look better. But the problem with that uh, theory is that if they were really going to do that, uh, they would not have included or they would not have established that uh, the women, uh, the female disciples, were the first ones to see the resurrected Jesus. That actually that actually puts them in a very uh, a very uh, low light uh, culturally for their for the first century there. And, and so, uh, not only were the women the first to see Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, uh, but the men were off hiding in the upper room, <laughs> right? They were they were scared for what was about to come. And, and so, when they go to see, when the women come to them, they still don't even believe the women. It's not until Jesus shows up in the room and says, look at my hands, look at my feet, look at my side, that the men then begin to believe in the resurrection. And as we heard, we heard Luke in the, as, as he authored Acts, he said, Jesus stayed with them for 40 days and he, he proved to them, he suffered to them many proofs of the resurrection over and over again. He showed them uh, so that they would believe in the resurrection. 
So this is actually an apologetic or a defense of the resurrection that if uh, if if the, the guys really wanted to put themselves in, in a good light, they would not have uh, included women as the first uh, ones to witness the resurrection. Um, instead, so we can take confidence that the resurrection is true uh, because of the way that the story is recorded, the way that the account of it is given, that the women were the first eyewitnesses. And, and, and so that actually helps us culturally to say, nope, this must be true because this does not put the men in any good light culturally for the first century. Uh, but what's most important about the verse 14 there is that they were uh, together with one accord, one purpose, one mind. They were unified. And what are they unified around? Well, they're unified around the very thing that they all experience, and that is the resurrection. They are all eyewitnesses to the resurrection. And so as eyewitnesses to the resurrection, they are, are, are praying together and, and they, are, um, they are seeking out the Lord in what he would have for them next as they wait for the Holy Spirit and Jesus's instructions. Our third question here is actually about Matthias and justice. We see at the end of our passage here uh, that uh, that two candidates are put forward to replace Judas. Uh, one who we, we were given several names for him. Um, we'll just call him uh, Justice. Here in verse 23, we hear uh, his name is also called Justice and another called Matthias. Um, we see that the group that they pray together, uh, verse 24, and they pray and said, you, Lord, uh, who know the hearts of all should uh, show uh, you, Lord, who know the hearts of all show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in the ministry and the apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. Uh, and so they're, they're leaning into the Lord here uh, to to discern, to reveal uh, whether it's Matthias or Justice who should be who should be a replacement for Judas, who should join the eleven to restore the twelve apostles, as we know Jesus chose the twelve apostles, and so um, so they feel led by the Lord to restore that that open position. And we we when we know the rubric, the 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 requirements for those who are to to be candidates to join this position. Uh, in verse twenty one, they said some of the some so one of the men who accompanied us during all the time of the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. He had to be with us beginning from the baptism of John, which is at the beginning of Jesus' earthly light or earthly ministry. Excuse me, and uh, so beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, the ascension, which we just looked at here in the verses. Uh, prior to this. Uh, so you, he had to be with us from the beginning all the way through the ascension, and he must be. One of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection, right? He has to be an eyewitness to the resurrection, and he has to be willing to give testimony, verbal testimony to it, which we encountered this morning was not a convenient truth for them to give testimony to. And so, so we know the rubric. Uh, this this group of 120 are together. Uh, they're a small church at this point. They've put forward many names. Of those many names, we know that there are two that were at least brought for prayerful consideration: that of Justice and Matthias. Uh, and and so what what happens? Uh, what do we know of Justice and Matthias? Well, of of Justice. We don't know. Um, we don't know much, honestly. And, and so, what what little we do know is is probably more in the realm of of speculation. And so, it's probably not. You know, it's not not profitable or um, a, a great to just to, to dwell on or or to dig into because. 
Um, again, it's just it's we don't have great historical record of of justice. Um, however, what we do know about him is he was a devout Jesus follower, right? He is a disciple. He he believes in the resurrection. He's been changed by the power of the resurrection. He is godly, God fearing. He's been put up for this position, and and the the group is pursuing the Lord's wisdom. So so there's no really in the context of this passage. There's 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 nothing negative about justice. Uh, in fact, it's 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 very flattering that he would be considered uh, for this position. Uh, secondly, what we also see here is who about Matthias. Matthias is is, is then voted in, or uh, the Lord reveals that Matthias is supposed to be the one who is who is to be to replace Judas. In, in church history, what do we know about Matthias? Well, according to church history, we don't really see Matthias back into the New Testament very much, um, other than here, and so. So what do we know about Matthias? Well, according to church history, uh, Matthias went on to plant churches um, near the Caspian Sea. And, and so and so in that area, churches uh, will trace their lineage or their history uh, or movements of Christianity there will change their lineage, the trace their lineage and histories back to Matthias. Uh, how true it is, uh, we're not sure. Sometimes uh, the realm of church history here, especially in around the movement of the apostles into other regions or areas, is really that more of speculation or, or church or just uh, yeah church history. Sometimes uh, spinning some some good narratives. We're not we're not really sure. It's not gospel truth, and it doesn't change uh, the the truth of the resurrection. Um, but uh, churches in the area of the Caspian Sea they uh, they trace their roots back to uh, Matthias. And then, and then in this in this uh, choosing of Matthias, we have got another question, and that is uh, in the prayerful is the prayerful casting of lots still legitimate? Do we have any good reason to think that it's not? Uh, the disciples, they the apostles here, and the group that gets together, they they cast lots. It says in the following in the following verses here in verse twenty six, and they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. He becomes uh, the twelfth apostle, replacing Judas. The, the practice of casting lots is really it's a it's it's a normal first century practice of making a decision or dividing something out equally. Uh, we, we see that the, the the Roman soldiers they cast lots for for Jesus's clothing uh, at the crucifixion. It, it's something it's a process or a practice that was very normal in the first century, and it and so every it was it had everyday usage. And so here are the disciples there. Uh, and, and this group of believers, they're together, they're seeking out the Lord. And I think that's really the important thing for us to, to, to dive in here is they're trusting the Lord. They say, you, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in, to take the place in this ministry and apostleship. And, and so they're really, they're leaning into the wisdom and, and the, the leading of the Lord on this topic. And, and I think that's what we really need to highlight. Uh, it would almost be like if you and I used a pro and a pros and cons list, right? We create a pros and a cons list. We're trying to make a decision. And as we are making that pros and cons list, we're, so, we're seeking out the Lord's wisdom. We're saying, Lord, would you bring to our mind, would you show us uh, the choice that is according to your will? And we're using a pros and a cons list, which is a very normal cultural practice in our, in our day and age and in our, wor- in our society. Where we're outlining the good things or the maybe the challenges and those kind of things, and the Lord brings to our minds some clarity as we go through that process. It would be really similar to the casting. That would be similar or cultural equivalent 
uh, to the casting of 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 lots, and, and so so we 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 need to be careful not to read too much into that or not to read enough into it. But really, the focus here would be verse uh, verse twenty twenty five twenty four and twenty five. Again, they're leaning into the Lord. Uh, they're seeking the Lord's guidance and the Lord's will for this decision. And I think that's what's really really important. It's not necessarily the practice of casting lots, but it is it is the leaning into the Lord to make the to make the decision. And so, so there again. What do we see them in the middle of uh, confusion? Uh, where do we go? What do we do? How do we walk through this? They they sort it out through prayer with the Lord. They're they're listening to the Spirit, and God's Spirit lead them and speak to them the will of the Father, just as just as Jesus did time and time again. Jesus got away to pray to hear from the Father, and he heard the Father speak to him through the Spirit. So again, what do we see? We see Jesus depending on the Holy Spirit. We see the early this early group of believers depending upon the Holy Spirit to reveal the will of the Father to them. And, and I think that's we should be encouraged and spurred on in that that practice in our own lives. Well, again, thanks for thanks for the questions here today as we as we wrestle through this passage. I, I really hope that as we as we work through some questions together, that what this does is it, it helps the the scriptures to, again to come alive in our hearts and our minds. There's a there's a lot that goes on in the book of Acts, and and as we walk through it, we're going to take it story by story. The book of Acts, the, the genre of Acts is is that of narrative, and in the Bible, there's several genres of literature, and and the genre of literature it really changes or or helps us to know how to read that book and so so acts as a as a genre it is it's it's narrative and so it's telling a story and so as we walk through acts we're going to take it story by story and sometimes that means we're going to take two chapters at a time or three chapters at a time and there's a lot that goes on within those stories and so so we really want to continue uh just to dig in together uh, send your questions in uh during the sermon and uh and we just love interacting with them in this way so next week we're going to pick up in acts chapter two can't wait to join with you there and to see when the spirit of god moves just what happens in the church We will see you next Sunday.